So as we get started on the message, I just wanted to say one more time that we are in uh, just a temporary situation this week where we're, our regular broadcast site was unavailable. So we're uh, making do with my office this week and we'll be back next week at our normal recording location. Uh, but some of you have been witness to this piece of COSAC trivia uh, I'm about to share with you. But I happen to be married to the most focused woman ever to walk planet Earth. Uh, some of you guys have seen this in action, but seriously, Melissa has a tremendous ability to focus. She can be in a conversation with someone, be nursing a baby, have another child pulling on her pant leg, asking for some yogurt, three teenagers yelling to one another six feet away, not at one another. They're not mad. They're just yelling to one another because they're loud. That's just how they roll. Uh, and, and to be completely locked into what you're saying, and none of this phases her. She hears everything you're saying. She responds in a normal tone of voice, and she can just continue carrying on a conversation like nothing else is happening. It's miraculous. I am completely unable to do this. And of course, the person that she's talking to could be about to lose their mind because of everything that's happening around them, but she's locked in. She is focused. And uh, she has just been blessed with this amazing ability. Focus is a huge issue for us. It, it determines what you catch uh, and what you miss, what goes over your head or, or what goes off to the side because you weren't paying attention. Your focus is always going to be somewhere. You're always focused on something. And where your focus is, that is going to determine the direction of your life. Uh, your life will always follow the direction of your dominant focus. That thing that you pay attention to, that thing that, that you're locked in on, that's the direction that your life is going ahead. And it can be on yourself, it can be on others, it can be on your agenda, or it can be on God's. And where your focus is, that's where you're going to be moving. And as we mentioned during announcements today, yesterday was Bible and Coffee at Zara. And for months now, We've been slowly uh, but surely, uh, verse by verse, walking through Mark's account of the gospel. And Mark, he gives us these glimpses into the life uh, of Jesus. Lots of themes that run through Mark about Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. And, and Paul wrote a lot of letters to the early churches, teaching them how to live correcting some misunderstandings and showing them who Jesus was. We've been talking about Mark's, uh, Mark's gospel on Saturday mornings. We've been talking about Paul's letters recently here on Sunday mornings. And in both Mark's writings and in Paul's letters, humility was a dominant theme in the life of Jesus. It was this recurring theme that keeps coming back. The humility of Christ was significant to who he was, to how he lived, and to how he treated those around him. And we can see humility right at the forefront uh, when Jesus went through the most important week of his life. This is a, a major, major uh, unfolding in the life of Jesus is what we call as Holy Week, which is the week preceding Easter and leading up to and including Easter. And it was during this week that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey which in and of itself, we, we kind of accept that as, yeah, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, all these people waving palm branches, doing that whole thing. 
but it flew in the face of those who felt that Jesus was coming to conquer. Jesus was coming to, in their minds, if he really was the Messiah, he was going to overthrow uh, the Roman rulers. He was going to tear apart all those things that were holding them back from being the people that God had uh, declared they would be and from living free in the land that he had given them. And so they uh, expected the Messiah to come uh, wielding a sword. They expected the Messiah to come to overthrow the Roman rule. And so uh, that was a very significant divergence from what they thought when he came riding in on a donkey. It was during the same week that Jesus met with his disciples. And instead of commanding the disciples to serve him, he washed their feet. Uh, it was during this week that Jesus submitted to the Father's will in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was during this week that Jesus, the Son of God and the creator of the universe, allowed himself to be arrested and beaten and whipped and nailed to a cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And in one snapshot after another, his final week unfolds to reveal the character of Jesus. And as you go through the stories that unfold during Holy Week, one dominant theme presents itself again and again and again, and that is the theme of humility. And as this whole series has been about uh, called Letters, we're going to take a look at one of Paul's letters today. And the letters he wrote to the churches, they were to help them know how to live and be the church. They were instruction because these were new believers. These were new churches. And Paul was writing these letters to bring correction in some cases, to give them further instruction that he didn't have time to give when he was there with them and he established the church. He was teaching them and speaking into their lives to help them become better followers of Jesus and to learn how to better be the church and to live out their faith. And Paul talks about this theme of humility in his letter to the Philippian church. And Philippians 2 verses 5 through 11 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So he starts off with this. You've got to have the same attitude as Jesus. Now that's a tall order. We understand that. Uh, it's not easy to live up. That, those are big shoes to fill. Uh, Jesus was perfect. We're not. But Paul says, hey, this is your goal. This is your target. This is what you should be shooting for is to have the same attitude as Christ. Now that can go a, a lot of different directions too. So Paul narrows the focus now and helps us understand what he meant and what he specifically is referencing when he says we've got to have the same attitude as Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to something to hold on to, something to, to just hold on to so tightly, desperately. There's a desperation in the sense of that word as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. And that, that give up is it's yielding. It's, it's a letting go. So as opposed to clinging to and holding on desperately, he gave up, he let go of his divine privileges. And he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. There it was again. He took the humble position of a slave. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
So this whole beginning part of this passage here that Paul is writing talks about the humility of Christ and what he gave up and what he laid down and what he sacrificed. And it was this incredible, selfless, sacrificial nature of Jesus that was all wrapped up in this concept of humility. And then he concludes, therefore, because of what he did, because of how he lived, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, some powerful words from the Apostle Paul. And earlier we talked about focus. And when we talk about humility, which Jesus screamed humility to the world, it all comes back to focus. Because humility at its base essence is this. Humility is taking the focus off yourself. Humility is taking the focus off yourself. And I'll reference this because I forgot to mention this at the beginning. Uh, because of this new location and we don't have the setup, you won't have the lower thirds today with the scripture verses and, and with the points. But that's one I would have on the screen. Uh, humility is taking the focus off yourself. It changes our focus. It shifts our focus because as human beings with human nature, our natural focus is right here. Our natural focus goes towards ourselves. It goes inward. And humility takes the focus off of ourselves. We get humility wrong all the time. We tend to think that humility is kind of pretending you don't amount to much. Oh, well, I'm not that great, or I can't do that. Or maybe even genuinely believing you don't amount to much. And that is a humble person, that you're not worth anything or putting yourself down. That's not humility at all. In fact, not only is it not humility, it's not healthy. We should never be thinking that way. Because either you're wearing this mask and pretending you're something you're not, in the case of the first example, you know you're, you're good at something, you know you have ability, but you're downplaying it and you're, you're talking badly about yourself and, and you're just, you're wearing this mask and you're just pretending. Or you're forgetting that the Bible calls you a masterpiece created by God. We are God's masterpieces. And how dare we, as masterpieces created by God, how dare we say that we're not worth it? How dare we put ourselves down? How dare we say that we're not capable? Every one of us has value that goes far beyond the superficial traits that this world values. And we need to understand that. And we need to stand confidently in that. So humility is not degrading yourself. It's not, uh, uh, it's not uh, putting yourself down in any way. In fact, humility is not saying you're worthless. Instead, it's prioritizing the worth of others. Humility is not saying you're worthless. It is prioritizing the worth of others. And that is what Jesus did. Jesus, obviously, is not going to put himself down. Jesus is not going to say he can't do something. He's not going to say he's worthless in any way. Instead, what Jesus did to demonstrate humility was to prioritize the worth of others over his own. 
And if we're going to be humble like Jesus was, we need to look for ways to put the focus on those around us, to shine the spotlight outward. Instead of having the focus on us, instead of trying to glorify ourselves, instead of shining the light on us and our accomplishments and what we can do, we instead point that spotlight outward. And we, we try to focus on other people and their needs. If we're going to show Jesus to the world, we need to ask God to change, to shift our focus, to let us see the world through his lens and the way he views people. How does he view them? How does he see them? How does he see their situations? How does it affect how we live and treat one another? All of this is wrapped up in how we show Jesus to the world through humility. I mean, your focus has to be somewhere. Every one of us has focus somewhere. We're always focusing in a given direction or on something. So where is your focus? Is it on your career and, and climbing higher and advancing further? Is it on your possessions, maybe a car or a boat or a home, uh, something that, that means a huge amount to you? Is it on a relationship that you have or a relationship that you wish you had? Is that where your focus is? Because here's the thing we need to understand. Jesus' focus was on his Father's will, not his own. Jesus' focus was on his Father's will, not his own. And that, I, I understand this whole Trinitarian language of Scripture and how these relationships work is something we're not going to understand fully right now. How can Jesus' will be different than his Father's will? And, and obviously what that comes down to is that Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. And so he had uh, his, his nature as part of the Godhead, but he also was tempted just like you and I were. He, he experienced all the same things that you and I do. And so he had uh, desire. If he was tempted, he had to have desire. And so he had his own will that was in accordance with uh, his, his humanity that he had to constantly keep in check to stay in alignment with God's will. And as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this donkey, it became apparent to his followers that this wasn't going like they thought it should, which how many times does that happen in scripture? How many times do we read a story and we're like, man, I, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, the way God does it, the way God unfolds something, the way God blesses a certain person or the way God reveals himself in a certain way. And, and I just look at some of these stories. I'm like, man, it's a good thing he's God and I'm not because I wouldn't have done it even close to that. And obviously, if he did it that way, that's perfect. And I'm far from it. Uh, but many of Jesus' followers were, as I mentioned, expecting him to overthrow the Roman government and establish his own kingdom by force to impose his kingdom. And we talked about this yesterday in the Bible study, that Jesus didn't come to impose his kingdom. He came to plant the seeds of his kingdom and to allow it to grow. And, and that's what it looks like even in our time. We're planting the seeds of Jesus' presence in our lives. We're planting those seeds in the lives of people around us. And we're allowing the Holy Spirit to grow those seeds. And, and the, those followers in, in those, that day, those who were looking to Jesus as the Messiah, it, if, if that were why he was riding into Jerusalem to overthrow the Romans, he would have ridden a war horse. He would not have ridden a donkey. 
But a king riding a donkey, that was a symbol of peace, of humility. And he humbled himself and he surrendered fully to the mission, not of conquering uh, or even as a people rising up and protesting the government, but overthrowing the stranglehold that sin had on mankind once and for all. And that is what Jesus was giving himself to. And earlier in his ministry, Jesus demonstrated the same thing. There was a moment in Jesus' ministry right at the beginning, right at the onset of Jesus' ministry, where Jesus demonstrated his humility in a huge way. In Luke chapter 3, we read about it, verses 21 and 22. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. So by being baptized, just this act of baptism, Jesus is once again showing humility. John, who was the baptizer, he was the one who got to baptize Jesus. I don't know if, you, if, if you're John, if you consider that a privilege or not, because that's a terrifying moment. You know, John knows who Jesus is. That was revealed to him. And so John the baptizer is sitting here going, Jesus, um, no, no, I, I need to be baptized by you, not the other way around. So stop this train. I want to get off. I should not be baptizing you. And, and Jesus surrendered his will and he surrendered his rights and was baptized. Baptism was done as a sign of repentance and spiritual awakening. That, that was what baptism was done in that day. That's what it represented. Repentance and spiritual awakening. But Jesus was without sin. So why did he do it? He didn't need to repent. He didn't need to be awakened spiritually. This is the Son of God. The main point is that Jesus did not have to do it. Instead, he chose to do it as a public sign of its importance for us. If Jesus was baptized, should not every one of us be baptized? Especially since not only was Jesus baptized, Jesus says, repent and be baptized. He told us that we need to do this. And if Jesus told us to do this, guess what, folks? We need to get in line. We need to do this. Uh, water baptism is an opportunity for us to show our obedience to Jesus, just like he showed his obedience to the Father. It's, it's really, when you think about it, baptism is our first act of obedience to Jesus as one of his followers. Once we make the decision to follow him and we become a Christian, now we need to be baptized. It is the outward sign of what God has done for us on the inside. And if you've never been baptized if you've made a faith decision, you've, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life and he's forgiven you and you've never been baptized, I would love to have the privilege of walking with you through that powerful step of obedience. And that's exactly what it is. It's obedience. God has said, we need to do this. The Bible teaches that. And so we should follow in obedience. And maybe you said, well, I didn't know that, Pastor. That's okay. You weren't in disobedience if you didn't know you had to. Now that you know the Bible's telling you, guess what? Now you have a choice to make. Will I obey and be baptized? Or will I disobey and continue having not been baptized? 
And I'm not, it's not a guilt trip I'm putting on you. I'm just teaching you what the Bible has to say. And so if you've never been baptized, man, let me uh, walk you through that. Just drop me an email at jeff at trilogy.church or get, leave me a Facebook message and let me know you'd like more information about being baptized and we'll get things started. And man, I would love to celebrate that moment with you. It is a powerful, powerful moment in the life of every believer. And uh, we'd love to celebrate that with you as a church. But again and again, Jesus yielded his rights. He gave them up. He let go. It wasn't something to cling to, as Paul wrote uh, to the Philippian church. He let it go. He yielded. He laid down his authority. He submitted to the will of the Father. Riding on a donkey instead of commanding the authority he deserved. Being baptized at the hand of one of his followers. Kneeling in the garden and praying those incredible words, not my will, but yours be done. And if you want to know what humility looks like, you don't need to look any further than the example of Jesus. He showed us what it looks like to live humble, which is why Paul begins this section of his letter with, you must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. And so because it was Jesus, we understand certain things about humility that maybe we wouldn't if it weren't Jesus. And this is one point I want you to understand. Humility is not being unimportant. It's being willing to lay down your importance. Humility is not being unimportant. It's being willing to lay down your importance. Because here's the thing. Every one of you is important. How do I know that? Jesus died for you. You have value. You matter. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So you are important. You may not recognize or realize what your importance is, but I'm telling you from the promises and the teachings of scripture, you are important. You matter. You are God's masterpiece. And humility is not denying that. Humility is be, being willing to lay down our importance. No one is going to say that Jesus was unimportant, but he gave up his importance to show the importance of the mission that he was called to. And then we see that amazing transition in Paul's letter where he shifts to the word therefore, because of what Jesus did. God exalted him. And that principle is not just for Jesus, but it's for us as well. Now, he's not going to raise us to the position of highest honor that every knee should bow and every tongue confess. That was reserved for Jesus alone. But he will, and listen to the words of James in James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And man, a question becomes so real for us at that point. Do you want to be the one who promotes yourself, or do you want God promoting you? I don't know about you, but I would much rather have God promoting me than me tooting my own horn, than me promoting myself and trying to make a name for myself. I want to carry the name of Jesus, and I want to let God lift me up in honor when he chooses to. God will honor you when you prioritize his priorities. Jesus was not only raised up in honor, but he has been elevated to the place of highest honor. has been given the name above all names, the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Now here, doing God's will is never easy, okay? I think we can mostly agree with that. There may be a few times where it's easier than others, but doing God's will is always a struggle because it battles against self. And, and I'll never tell you that doing God's will is easy, but it's always better. 
Doing God's will is never easy, but it's always better. Living outside of God's will is disastrous. And not just for you, but for others as well. There are people in your life that when you live outside of God's will, it affects them in a negative way. Imagine if Jesus had succumbed to the pressure of what he was about to face and made the decision to skip the cross. What if Jesus had made that decision? And we can't even fathom that because we know Jesus' character and we know the decision he did make. So we can't even comprehend what that would be like if Jesus had made the decision to not go to the cross. But think about it. He was tempted just like us. He faced every pressure that we face. And he prayed in the garden. His own words, he said that if it was possible to go a different route, please, let's go a different direction. Let this cup pass from me, were his, the words he used. But Jesus was not going to the cross for himself. He was going to the cross for you. He was going to the cross for me. He didn't deserve a criminal's death. He didn't deserve the public humiliation and the shame. He didn't deserve the agony that he experienced, but it wasn't about him. Once again, humility is not saying you're worthless. It's prioritizing the worth of others. Take the focus off yourself and what you deserve and what you've earned and what your rights are and what you want and follow God's will and his plan because that's the foundation of humility. And this principle is for every area of our lives, at home with our family. Prioritize those around you and what they need. Look to the, the life of your spouse or your kids or your parents and prioritize what they need and what's important to them. Live humble lives in your household. At your job with your coworkers, think about what they want and what they need to excel in their area and provide it if you can. Step in to support those around you. At church, serve those around you. Ask yourself, what can I do to make another person's story more fulfilling? What can I do to invest in their story? And then meet that need, whatever that is. This is what Jesus was about. And that brings us to another powerful statement about Jesus' humility. And that is that his focus was on serving, not being served. And Jesus', Jesus own words back that up. He says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, I, I don't, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve you. And it's crazy to think about. This is, this is Jesus, the one who spoke and the universe came into existence. He's the living word of God. All the power in the universe is contained in his voice. And Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And how many times do we take a stand on our rights and what we need and what's important to us and we ignore those around us and what they need and what we could do to bless them and how we can invest in their lives. Some of the saddest words in the New Testament 
are concerning the disciples at the Last Supper. Jesus had repeatedly told them of his betrayal and the suffering and the death that he was about to face. They are aware of this. In fact, they tried to talk him out of it. So they know what's coming down the road. So he announces in this meeting, in the context of the Passover meal, he announces to them that one of them was about to betray him. Okay? Think of the weight, the gravity of this. I'm going to, be, I'm going to die. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to lay down my life. One of you is about to betray me. And the next verse in Luke twenty two twenty four says this, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And I read that, and I, I mean, the disciples have had some boneheaded moments, right? I mean, they've had some, like, come on, boys, really? But this moment towers above the rest. Their master is going to be executed. One of them is going to turn him in. One of them is going to betray them, and they're worried about who's the greatest. How pathetic is it that they could think only of themselves when they needed to have their thoughts on each other and on Jesus more than at any other time? Jesus had just told them that one of them is going to betray him. This was a time for humility, not a time to worry if you're the greatest. Someone once made the statement, humble people don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. I love that quote. Humble people don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. And so the focus of the disciples was not just off. It was way off. This is not even in the same zip code. They are way, way, way off from where they should be. And I think we miss it just as big sometimes. You see, we get offended if maybe someone doesn't reach out to us or somebody doesn't call us or text us or somebody doesn't say something to us when they pass us, uh, when we could and probably should just as easily have reached out to them. But we, we sometimes carry our offense, and we don't want to let go of it. We get frustrated with a neighbor for having a bunch of cars parked in front of our house, like we own the street. And, and we didn't make the effort or take the time to know that maybe it was because a family member had passed away and lots of people had been coming over to comfort them. You know, the list could go on and on and on of examples of where we think about ourselves instead of thinking about others. Those moments we have in our lives where we only see our own comfort or our own convenience instead of serving those who are around us. And sometimes people think that the opposite of humility is pride. And, and from a dictionary standpoint, it probably is. Maybe that's true. But from a how it plays out in our lives standpoint, I have a different thought. I believe the opposite of humility, the opposite of serving those around us, the opposite of thinking about yourself less, the opposite of being willing to lay down your own importance. I don't think that's pride. I think it's selfishness. I think the opposite of humility is selfishness. Selfishness is the enemy number one of humility. Selfishness is what drives humility away. Pride, you see, pride can actually have a healthy side to it, right? I mean, we take pride in the work that we do. We're proud of our kids. We're proud to call ourselves part of the Trilogy family. But there's no healthy side to selfishness. You can't spin that one right. 
There's no way you can say, well, he had a healthy amount of selfishness. No, selfishness is all bad all the time. And it gets in the way, it trips us up, it causes us to miss Jesus' example of what a humble servant looks like. The disciples were living right in the middle of a big pile of 12 helpings of selfishness. That's where they were. So in the context of this meeting, Jesus shows them what it's all about. He gets up from the table, grabs a bowl of water and a towel, and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. You want to talk about shutting down an argument about who's greatest. That was it. That was the drop the mic moment for Jesus. I mean, how could they possibly carry on that argument after that? And this was a common practice for guests to have their feet washed. It it was what happened uh, to remove the grime and road dust, but it was common for one of the lowest ranked servants in the household to do it, not the son of God, not a rabbi, not their master. But Jesus wanted to show us how to be humble, how to serve. And the message that screams to us is whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Humility is not just doing menial tasks. I mean, Jesus performed a menial task here, but that's not what humility is at its core. It's being willing to do whatever it takes to serve others. Humility is being willing to do whatever it takes to serve others. It's not just about who can do the most undesirable task. It's about the intention behind it. What is the heart behind the action? We need to understand that serving others isn't just to make them feel good. Serving others helps them see God. When we serve other people around us, we want them to see Jesus. We don't want to have our importance elevated. We don't want to be the ones who are getting the glory or the attention. When we serve people around us, the goal should be to point them towards the Son of God. Let them see Jesus in how we serve, in how we treat others. It opens the door wider to God's presence in their lives. Serving is at the heart of the incarnation of God made man. We show Jesus to the world when we serve. Now listen, John 13, 12 through 15 kind of references this foot washing moment. It says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? Great question from Jesus because more often than not, they missed it. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. Whoa, (laughs) that one had to hurt. That stung a little bit. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Be willing to do whatever it takes to serve those around you. First of all, it takes the focus off of us. It teaches us to prioritize other people. But secondly, it shows them what Jesus looks like. There are a few times that you look more like Jesus than when you're loving people through serving them in humility. That's that's about as close to Jesus as you can look. This is true when we serve in church on a Sunday morning. But it's also true, and maybe even more true, because we're not scheduled to do it when we serve our neighbors or coworkers or the barista who gives us our coffee, someone else in our lives where we serve them. Serving helps us show humility by taking the focus off ourselves and putting it on other people. 
Jesus focused was on others, not on himself. Nothing demonstrated Jesus' other focus more than his journey to the cross. I mean, beginning with his arrest, continuing with the beating, the whipping, and the mocking that he endured, and the culminating in the crucifixion itself, Jesus showed unbelievable restraint and control. He could have called down an army of angels to end it in a moment. He could have spoken one word and wiped them out. Jesus certainly was not weak. Humility is not weakness. It is controlled strength. Humility is not weakness. It is controlled strength. You see, some men struggle with humility because they think it's weak. They want to be known as a man's man. I'm tough. But humility isn't tough or weak. In fact, in order to be truly humble, you have to have tremendous strength of spirit because you have to have the self-discipline and self-control to wrestle that focus away from yourself and your needs and prioritize someone else. When Jesus was being beaten, when Jesus was being whipped, his thoughts were on you. He could have called down angels. He could have instantly ended what was going on and what he was going through. But his focus was not on himself or even on the incredible suffering he had to endure. His focus was on you. His his other's focus was so great that he reached out to the criminal on the cross next to him and told him that he he would be saved and that he would be with him in paradise that same night. Jesus, even to the end while he was enduring probably one of the most agonizing deaths a person can go through. And Jesus reached out in love to the person next to him. And if the Son of God chose to prioritize you instead of himself, imagine how we should respond to this verse from Romans. Romans 12, verses 3, and then a little bit of 16. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Do not be proud. Do not be conceited. Pride is the largest obstacle between us and God, hands down our feeling that we can make it alone, that we don't need God, that self-sufficiency lie. But that was the whole reason Jesus did what he did, because God knew there was no other way. The only way for us to be made right with God is through Jesus, through the sacrifice that he made for you and for me. That's the hope that we have. Even though we can't get past sin, we can't win, Jesus already did. He won. And he offers that victory to us over sin, over self, over pride, all of it. That when we submit to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we invite him into our lives. We can be forgiven. We can be set free. Jesus is here today and he wants to share his victory with you today. If you never have responded to the love of God for you, make that decision today. The only hope we have is in Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Some of you have tried doing it on your own for way too long. You've tried and you've failed. You've made the same mistakes again and again and again. Others of you, maybe you're still searching for meaning, for significance, and you've tried to find answers in so many different places and activities and relationships, but you haven't asked the one person who is the answer. He is the truth. He is the way. And I want to pray for you as we close. 
If you're, if you're here and that's you, I'm going to pray for you this morning and I'm going to ask you to just pray. And as I close in prayer, that you would just whisper a prayer and say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my life. I want to follow you. And I'm telling you, Bible tells us that everything will be different on the other side of a heartfelt prayer like that. But in addition, I want to challenge all of you this morning before we pray. As we pray, as we close in prayer, would you take a moment as we pray and right there where you're at, would you ask the Holy Spirit where you need to show humility? And every one of us has an area of our lives where we need to show humility. Ask him if there's a part of your life where you're focusing on yourself more than you're focusing on others, where you're putting your needs above other people's needs. And then when you identify what that is, ask him for the strength to be humble. Ask him to empower you to be humble. Humility is an attitude that is required if we're going to live like Jesus and if we're going to show him to the world. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you this morning humbly. God, we thank you for the example Jesus, that you set for us when you walk this earth. Your humility is unparalleled. No one can hope to match it because we didn't have as much to lay down. We didn't have to give up as much as you did. But Jesus, you did. You showed us the way. And I pray that you would help us to live even a fraction of the type of humble life that you lived and you modeled for us. God, forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for the times, for the many times where we've put the focus and the attention on ourselves instead of on those around us, where we've lived for our agenda instead of yours. Forgive us for the times where we've let pride get in the way and we've, we've just thought we can make it on our own and we don't need anyone else and we, we don't need you. God, I pray that we would live humble lives, dependent lives on you, focused lives on those around us. And for those who maybe uh, fit into that category of who I talked about earlier and they need to make a decision to follow you today, God, I pray that as they whisper a prayer, a personal prayer right now in where, whatever room they find themselves in, God, I pray that as they whisper that prayer and say, Jesus, come into my life, I want to follow you. Would you forgive me and help me to live and follow you with humility? As they pray that prayer, God, would you change them? Holy Spirit, come into their life with power and renew them, regenerate them. Let them feel a difference spiritually, that God, you would give them the fruit of the Spirit in abundance right now as they pray that prayer. That, God, there would be a difference, an eternal difference that is made in their lives. And then, God, I pray that we could come alongside them as a church and walk with them and help them to see what it looks like to live their new faith story out in community with one another. God, I pray that you would help us to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Help us to have that attitude of humility so we can show the world around us who Jesus is. We thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.